0: What's going on, party people? It's the song part two. I thought <laughs> it off. Oh, what wow. happened. Well, this is the big dudes in the trenches. We are back full strength for another episode for you. Talking about some NFL and college football. That has just transpired this past weekend. Very exciting stuff all the way around. And I have two excellent friends here to help me break it all down for you guys.
1: I got to say, I know it's on tap for the show today. I'm glad we're not doing mid-season awards because that went so bad last year.
0: It's kind of what makes it fun, though, honestly. September Heisman's are (laughs) made to be awful.
2: (laughs) It aged like fine wine in a hot
0: summer day. Aged like a glass of milk. Beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, we're not doing that this Disgusting. year. Uh, we have something entirely different to be talking about. Before we even get there, though, we have some big news around the league. And it's all worth talking about. So let's go ahead and get started.
1: Let's do it. All right, guys, I'll start us off in the NFL. Uh, if you've been on, on the news today, you'd have seen this. But if not, let us be the first to uh, break this down for you. The Indianapolis Colts have fired Frank Reich, um, which is funny because he had just signed an extension last August uh, that carried him through 2026. 3-5-1 uh, and one this year, 40-30, 40-33-1 30, uh, in his time as a head coach with the with the Colts. Uh, never made it past the divisional round of the playoffs. Guys, what do you think of the, uh, of this firing? The fourth Reich really didn't last that long, huh? Jesus Christ!
2: (laughs) Please don't get us banned. You're gonna get us canceled. We haven't even done anything, and you're gonna get us
1: canceled. (laughs) All right, well, (laughs) Jesus, I don't even know
0: how to continue right now. I've been waiting to make that joke for so damn long.
2: I'm sure you have.
1: (laughs) Stop.
0: I'm sure All right, you well, have.
1: Jokes aside, Jeff Saturday, uh, huge guy in Indianapolis, uh, Hall of Fame Center. Uh, he's in their ring of honor. He's now also their interim head coach. What do you guys think of that?
2: It's a uh, very interesting move. I know we had a discussion about it earlier. Doug, you had some pretty strong comments and I'm not sure I want to hear them at this point uh, with how you're acting right now. Uh... I'm kidding. I The move was clearly to get butts and seats. Uh, when you stack him up against some of the other guys that potentially could have been uh, interim head coach for the Colts right now, it starts to look worse. Like, hey, these guys could have gotten you the same effect. Um, yeah. I'm very interested uh, to see how this all shakes out. I Personally, I don't see there being any way that he ends up as the uh the permanent head coach out there in Indianapolis and yeah a bad high school head coach so this is this is a
0: head scratcher for sure. Uh, let me let me dive in. I know you're probably gonna have a little bit more positive things to say about this Tug so I'll let's shit sandwich it a little bit here. Uh because I think this is a really bad move for the organization and for the league, honestly, uh for a couple of reasons. So Number one, I do have to preface this by saying Jeff Saturday is one of my all-time favorite players in NFL history, legitimately, one of my idols growing up playing offensive line, obviously. look at me. Uh, it was him, and then it was you know Joe Thomas, I unfortunately, it was like the tail end of Orlando Pace. So I it, watching Jeff Saturday was kind of my thing. I love Jeff Saturday. He has no experience coaching. Uh, It's kind of egregious that now in the past two years in the NFL, we've had two different cases of, let's call it like it is, white players with no coaching experience beyond some youth slash high school stuff. Being handed NFL coaching jobs, and then just out of kind of out of nowhere, uh, it was going to be <laughs> the Houston Texans were going to go with Josh McCown, uh, and then because that was so wild, everyone rioted. But because this is an interim coach, I guess the Colts get away with it. It's the same problem. Jeff Saturday is a fantastic player. I love watching him play, this is not a good look for the organization or for the league. Especially, like Bug was just alluding to, you had a better candidate with NFL coaching experience already on your staff from those same offenses, would get the same butts in seats, promote Reggie Wayne for six games. He's already your wide receivers coach, at least promote him an interim offensive coordinator you got to do something with that situation. If you're going to start bringing up former players, at least get the guy who has a little bit of coaching experience. This is a wild move to me. And I completely understand the business side of it, but it's also, and it just feels wrong. This is for all the wrong
1: reasons. So you said I'd have some good things to say, but some of the quotes that have been coming through on Twitter over the past yeah, about half an hour um really screamed to me that this was a reach of a hire. Um, look, Doug, oh, yeah. you said you're shocked You said that you're shocked that that Jeff Saturday was hired. His exact quote is when he got the call from Jim Ursay, shocked would be an understatement. So he wasn't even expecting this. Uh worse off in, in the same vein you're talking about is Jim Ursay openly admitting he offered the job the job to no one else. He had no one else in mind. Um, look, this is 100 percent a butts and seats type of move. Right. They're not they're not gonna look good the rest of the year. Um right. it, it's gonna be that simple. Um they're they're in dire straits with the QB right now. Um the, the scheme of renting old washed-up ones, uh injured ones is not working for them. I don't know. We'll see. The only thing I can hope is that Jeff Saturday understands where his strengths are and where his weaknesses are, and he leans on his coordinators to make a lot of those game time decisions. Um, I don't well, know. Would, a lot will cool, still fall in the he head. Doesn't coach. Have, he doesn't have an offensive coordinator. <laughs> well, he can still last week and didn't replace him. He can still promote to it, somebody to an interim. He still has that power now, so that might be what they're waiting for. We might still see Reggie Wayne as as the interim offensive coordinator, but, but we'll see, man, this is definitely a head scratcher. Um, when, when the guy you're hiring wasn't even expecting it, that, that speaks volumes that tells me he might not even be ready. Well, and if you really want
0: him back in the organization that badly, there are so many other roles a guy like that can fill. It's really hard to scout offensive linemen, get a guy who has played the position, maybe introduce him in that kind of a role. Maybe he's able to coach that position. I don't know if he can or not. Maybe he's not a good teacher. I would imagine he is for being able to play center in the NFL that long. You almost have to be. Get him in that kind of a role, and that would work wonders for your team right now. Your offensive line has been garbage outside of two players, and that never works out well. So, I there, there were much better options all around this. Yep. I will say this,
2: Cry Havoc 3 here in the chat saying, realistically, though, there's no excuse for how badly their offensive line has dropped off. They can't run the ball, and that's exactly right. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has not looked good. Naheem Hines was never going to look good behind this offensive line. It's just not the type of back he is. And the bigger thing for me here with all of this is it: the move to make him the head coach, the interim head coach, that doesn't make sense. 100%. The more you look at it, the less it makes sense. Because when I first saw it, I was hyped. I was like, this is awesome. The only thing I can figure is that Jim Ursae has no plans of him being the long-term head coach. And that he is going to definitely pick somebody else later. Now, this is, again, this is me giving a lot of benefit
3: out here.
1: That being I so, am it, losing, I'm losing that faith. And That's I'll explain have- why in a second when you're done, Ben. I mean, I believe you. i
2: put him in there. Obviously, he knows something about offensive line. Having an interim offensive line coach, what does that really help out with, right? Let him really get in with the team more than what he already was doing because he was an analyst for the team. Get him in there. Get his hands dirty. And that way, he can kind of go in as well. If he's an analyst, he's probably some type of advisor. You can go back and say, hey, if you're going to hire from within, look at these guys in particular. Because let's be real, nobody wants to talk. Nobody wants to have John Fox as their head coach, especially not Colts fans, right? He's a guy that's on staff. I just, I don't, I don't know that this was, this was just a short-sighted signing in
0: my opinion. There's so
2: much about this that doesn't make sense. So, say, the only thing also that, also that have I have Gus an issue Bradley,
0: with. Just a second, Doug. one point, one sentence. They also have Gus Bradley on staff, and he has more experience winning in Jacksonville than any other coach they've had in the last <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Go ahead.
1: that My my issue with uh with saying that he's not going to be a long term hire, or yeah, he's not going to be a long term hire, because I was agreeing with that mindset earlier. Um, news just broke that they tried to hire him as the offensive line coach in 2019, and again this offseason, he denied both of those positions. Um, so we're just gonna go straight to head coach now. Um, This does not look good for the Colts. Uh, you're right. Uh, Cry Havoc, I see you out there commenting that maybe they're tanking for a QB. Look, man, I would agree, except when your offensive line is playing as bad as the Colts is, you don't tank for a QB and not fix that offensive line. Um, I've been saying that for years. you got to fix the offensive line first. There's two teams
2: that have done it, and one of them made sure. it to the Super Bowl, and the other one's Many looking
1: all right this year.
2: I'm saying recently yeah. there's two teams that have done it and had one great success and the other
0: one's moderate success. I still I, I don't surprised, like it. I'm surprised he accepted like the position then if he turned down offensive line coaching jobs. Why did he agree I, to I do not I don't think
2: we're going to know the full story of this
0: for a while. Right, Ever. right. That's going to be a a great... That's the only reason to have ESPN Plus other than being able to watch FCS games. We'll get to 30 for 30 in about 10 years. And it'll be so worth it. (laughs) Remember that time Jeff Saturday coached the Colts for like eight games.
1: (laughs) All right, I'm going to move us out because clearly we could talk about this for the entire length of the show. Uh, We do have some records set this year, uh, this year in the NFL. This This week week alone, Uh, Joe Mixon. If you did not start him in fantasy, he should have been your fantasy star of the week. Uh, But if you did not, I am sorry. Uh, he set a new franchise record for the Bengals for most touchdowns in a game uh with 5 of them versus the Panthers apparently they just did not know that Joe Mixon was a running back um i don't know i is this excusable like good for Joe Mixon though finally putting a game together yeah it's definitely <laughs>
0: excusable having 5 rushing touchdowns just <laughs> sure. wasn't
2: this wasn't just a game this was One of the best rushing performances in
0: NFL history. Yeah. Like this is. uh, It was very fun seeing uh, Baker Mayfield come back in and throw two touchdowns. So (laughs) valiant of an effort to try to come back. Yeah, I definitely believe that. But PJ Walker
1: starting again this week on Thursday. (laughs) I guess Sam Darnold's going to play now. So they have three quarterbacks again. I'm going to keep the uh, the single-game rushing records going on here. Sorry, Doug. Uh, Justin Fields also embarrassed Miami's defense with 178 rushing yards. In what seemed like an individual attempt to keep the, uh, the Bears in that game, uh, he put up 178 on the ground, 123 through the air. Uh, but his rushing is an NFL record uh, for rush yards by a quarterback in the game, surpassing Michael Vick. Ben, I need your reaction on this. In the regular season. This is, yeah, in the regular in the season. season. Yes. Kaepernick did it in the divisional round against
2: the Green Bay Packers, which is probably the only time you hear me say anything positive about Colin Kaepernick. That was fucking amazing. Um, but, that being said, yeah, this is exactly why you draft Justin Fields. This is what you want from him on your offense. Uh, oh, by the way, he throws for three touchdowns as well, so... There's, there's a lot of good coming from this, and uh, we'll talk more about this game later. So I don't, I don't feel the need to go too deep into it. I do disagree with you that he was single-handedly keeping them in the game because those special teams fuck up is the only reason that we had
1: a difference there. But
2: that's neither here nor that, there.
1: Um, okay. keep Keeping in line with the, the career rushing record, or rushing records, but now it's career record, Derrick Henry surpasses Earl Campbell for most rushing touchdowns in a Titans uniform, uh, with seventy-four of them. Well, Absolutely insane. Uh this has been a hell of Yeah. It, the franchise kept the history. They did the cheap way of doing it. They they didn't pull a, a Baltimore Ravens and Cleveland Browns type thing. Right.
0: You no, know, I mean Derrick Henry's absolutely phenomenal. insane. And I can't believe that yeah. he had to share carries at any point in his career because that happened early on. Just why I'm, do that? This is uh, the second year in a row with at least a streak of five games with a hundred plus rushing yards, and he has a chance to extend that streak next week. Um, yeah, it's
1: yeah. Um, Derek Henry's pretty good (laughs)
3: yeah
1: no dude's insane Um, this is not football related but the comment made me laugh so I need to highlight it here Uh, polar knights coming in commenting our use of the cameras here uh, highlighting the perfect evolution of beard growth with me not being able to grow one then Ben then Doug it's absolutely amazing
2: that's why you Uh, gotta watch live on Twitch or check it out on YouTube to be able to see what he's talking
1: about right all right, uh, moving on with our next and final NFL record. Uh, Tom Brady has done it. Uh, he has passed 100,000 career passing yards. Uh, first player to do so. Uh, also tied Peyton Manning's record of 43 career fourth quarter game-winning comeback drives. Dude's been doing it his entire career. I'm surprised it took him this long to pass Peyton.
2: Well, I saw another stat that we don't have captured up here. This is the second latest uh, point in the game that he has thrown a game-winning touchdown pass, 13 seconds remaining in this one. The only time he's cut it closer was a 10-second uh, touchdown pass to win. I can't remember exactly who he beat there. I don't have that good of a memory. But, this, you know, the the Rams really thought they did something. They stopped him on, you know, on fourth and goal. They, what, four shots in the end zone? Stopped all four of them, and then offense can't do anything because the offense in that game did nothing in totality. Uh, and then Tom Brady just decided he's going to come to life at the very end of the game and break everybody's heart.
0: Yeah, it was kind of Absolutely. back-breaking there in the last 44
1: yeah. seconds. Uh-huh. That's what Tom Brady does. And then finally... Our last discussion piece, all of that craziness we had last week, the NFL owners want to save that to later in the year. Uh, there's now a push to move the trade deadline to week 12. This is realistically more in line with what some of the other professional sports leagues do with a later um, mm-hmm. trade deadline rather than the halfway point in the season. Uh, NHL does it in about January, February. NBA is about the same time timeframe. Uh, the MLB does it in August, I believe. Um yeah. Guys, what do you think of this? Do you think it's worth pushing the trade deadline back? Absolutely.
0: It is so hard to predict where you're going to be when you're halfway through the season. I mean, we were just talking about at the top of the show. I'll remember last year, our mid-season awards ended up being yep. so absolutely garbage just a couple weeks later. You don't know if you're going to be realistically, if you're a buyer or a seller, until about week 11, week 12. So yeah. this makes complete I
2: I would say, like, you don't even... Like, the differences from preseason to midseason, even, are just insane. Right. And then you still got half the season left. I mean, you know, we're we're going to do a, a midseason review, and we're going to talk about divisions. I don't think... Yeah, we don't mention the NFC North at all, but if you told me it was going to look this way to start the season, or before, you know, in preseason, I'd have fucking laughed at you. Like, it... Nobody knows what's going to go on. And here's the other thing. That division's fucking wide open. Anybody could win it. And I truly believe even the Lions have a legitimate shot of winning it. Like, anybody truly can win that division. It's. I think this is a fantastic move. I didn't even get why it was this early when it was only 17 weeks. But 18 weeks, it's not even really halfway through the season if it's Tuesday after week 8. 16, now
0: 17. 16 to yeah. 17. Well, no, weeks. but it's 18, 16 games. weeks. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So, that's Fair enough. yeah. But I mean, it's still it, it messed with my brain too. It, it's not even. It it barely even qualifies as halfway through the season. That's yeah, what I'm I mean, saying. It needs. To be I think done. it's no, not even
1: just that. It kind of counts as halfway. It's not good. I think it's a solid, solid chance to. To move forward for the NFL, I think they need to make a change here. Um, and I think the the movement this this year, which we've already said was insane for the NFL trade deadline, uh, doesn't usually happen that way. Uh, I think that that's what's actually causing this.
2: Well, and I, you know, I wonder too. You know, yeah, exactly. Cry havoc three later trade windows. Teams have more insight in how their season is going to go. More significant trades, absolutely. Because I. Specifically, the two trades that I've looked at, or three trades really, that I've looked at the most: Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith, and uh, Chase Chase Claypool.
0: Right? Why you focus on those three? Interesting. I mean, if anybody's watched the show, or if you haven't, or you follow us on Twitter, you
2: probably know why, since I'm on the Twitter. But I don't know. I don't know if the Bears make some of these moves. You know, because we're what we're at week nine. Bears are three and six. You go to week twelve; they very well could be five hundred. Do you still make those moves five hundred if you're riding a three-game win streak and in, in a pretty tough part of the schedule, right? So, I don't know. It's I, I like the later. I like this proposal. I don't see any reason it doesn't get passed. You guys see foresee any reason that the NFL would shoot this down?
1: I don't know, but also own things all the time. I would. The only thing I would wonder is if there's any pushback from the NFLPA. That's the only thing I would I would wonder if there's going to be pushback on.
0: Yeah, but like why? <laughs> Cuz
1: it's the NFLPA, be... man.
0: <laughs> I,
1: but
2: I, I would expect more tomfoolery from the NFL, not the NFLPA.
1: No, you're not wrong. That's a good word, man. We need to use that more often. It's $5. Word. Well, let's get it, Let's get into our own tomfoolery of highlighting over and under achievers. Uh throughout the nfl at the halfway point i know we don't have slides for this but ben let's kick it off for you who is your overachieving player uh overall in the nfl as of week nine
2: overall honestly i, I think it's aj brown like he was not he was no slouch everybody kind of expected that he would be better with a better quarterback and i know you're kind of a ryan tannehill believer in defender here but Man, I don't know that anybody expected what's really come out of Philly this year because I did not take them, or I did take them as my overperforming team. I'll talk about them more later. But I didn't think he would make this big of an impact on that offense. But I also don't think he's the sole reason that
1: this team has taken off this year.
0: Oh, it's crazy to see AJ Brown. AJ
1: Brown has more put receiving in yards. Here, uh, for the same reasons.
0: A.J. Brown has more receiving yards than the entire Titans offense combined. I know. I know. (laughs) It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, My overachieving player so far this year is Geno Smith, and I don't see how there's any other option, to be honest with you. I love A.J. Brown's story, but come on. Geno Smith has worked his way in the MVP conversation somehow. This is unbelievable.
2: I... Absolutely love that this is happening because coming out of West Virginia, all I wanted was for Geno Smith to be an amazing NFL quarterback. And Great. it just didn't happen with the Jets. I thought it was going to be a turning point for him. It just didn't happen. I love it. We agreed that we could take the same players, but there,
1: this category was pretty deep. I, I, I couldn't not take it. I'm looking at the comments here and I'm laughing because uh, my dude, Cry Havoc 3 here, is picking my brain. Uh, look, this is a little bit of a homer pick. Uh, if you know me, you know I'm a Dolphins fan. Uh, and we all did expect to Tungo-Vailoa to increase production this year. I don't think anybody expected him to do so uh, at the rate that he has. Um, my dude is leading the NFL in most QB stats, including QBR. He's leading, <laughs> He's leading uh, in ESPN's QBR. He's leading in I always forget the difference between QBR and rating but he's leading both of those. Uh he's up in the tops for for yards, per, uh, completion percentage all of the above. Um he dude's killing it. Um yeah, sure. Tyreek Hill came in and he's and, usually been pretty good in it. Yep. <laughs> Tyreek Hill came in and and that has made a big difference. I love that Tua is Showing that he can throw the deep ball, yes, a lot of them are still underthrown. Maybe some of them go for six if you can get the ball out there a little bit further. But he's still leading the NFL in uh, deep pass completion percentage and deep pass air yards. Uh, So he's doing something right out there. And, no, 100%, I expect an increase in production, but not to this level. Uh, This is 100% overperforming for what I expected.
0: I think both of us at some point have said his real ceiling is the kind of production that, like, Matt Stafford had last year. Yep. Where it's not necessarily going to be like, oh my gosh, Matt Stafford is the best quarterback of all time. It's like, wow, those weapons have really enabled Matt Stafford to go off f- for insane numbers. And that's kind of what we expect out of Tua right now, where it's not like is going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. But if you surround him with the right pieces, he can damn well win you some games. And every game that he's started and finished, he's won so far this season. So that's that's pretty dang good.
2: Yep, Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson themes almost hits the on Jackson for what potentially could have been six. I mean, this if this play was completed, a Jackson squared yeah. touchdown. Yeah. So first of all, his offensive lineman stripped him. Then Lamar Jackson like picks up, recovers the fumble. Yeah, he he put his his arm got loose and he ripped out and it ripped the ball out of Lamar's hand. He that picks it up, scrambles, <laughs> scrambles some more, and, I mean, <laughs> it was great defense by the Saints. I don't know what else to say, but it, it was, Jesus, that was a play. Well, uh, that was a good play. Okay. I just saw it. Yeah. <laughs> um go with your under. I have no argument to it. My, my under is going to come as a surprise, but again, uh, underperforming is the name of the game for a lot of big-name quarterbacks. I'm giving away everybody's pick here. We're all <laughs> taking quarterbacks. Uh, but when the Denver Broncos acquired Russell Wilson, everybody said, hey, this team's going to the Super Bowl, and they were sellers at the trade deadline. So, uh, what the fuck's going on? He has looked like absolute dog shit, and the Broncos as a whole have looked like dog shit, and I've got to put at least some of the blame on Russell Wilson for that.
1: Yeah, definitely not going how the Broncos thought it was going to go. Just, I would say it's because he's been injured, but you know he's got that Wolverine blood, so it's not that. And hasn't he played injured like eight of the last eight
0: years? I mean, yes. come on, at this point, Russell Wilson's and being injured are like synonymous. Uh, my underperforming quarterback, I guess, technically is what this award has turned into here. Is <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Because yeah, uh people still thought the Packers had a shot at winning this division. And right now the Vikings are so far far out ahead and the Packers are in third place, I think. Uh it's not looking good. So yeah, I don't really understand what all is going on with Aaron Rodgers right now. I know losing Devontae Adams definitely hurts. Losing some pieces along the offensive line for a myriad of reasons definitely hurts. But come on, you're now throwing, you threw two red zone interceptions last game? You've never done that in your life. You didn't even do that at Cal. And now you do it against the Detroit Lions? Dude, (laughs) what is going on? So Aaron Rodgers is my underperforming player of the year so far.
1: Look, my underperforming player, uh, again, underperforming quarterback, because that's what we've made this. Um, Look, we all called the cliff for about the past five years, and the cliff finally showed its ugly head. Um, And I don't know if it's due to his play or the lack of offensive line play, but it has translated poorly for Tom Brady in Tampa this year. Uh, Losing Bruce Arians hurt, losing Gronk hurt. Um, (laughs) I... (laughs) This is just brutal all the way across for for the Buccaneers. And Tom Brady just doesn't look good. Maybe it's the divorce. I, d- I don't know. Um, brutal here, he does not look good. The Bucs don't look good. And my dude has no time back there to do anything. Uh, So, yeah, Tom Brady takes it for me.
0: I really want to put it all on the offensive line there. But he's overthrowing receivers this year in a way that we really haven't seen much before. And then, too, receivers are dropping a lot of passes. And so it's just bad all the way around. And some yep. drop dropping passes can legitimately sometimes be on the quarterback, too. Like, you need to put it in their hands in the right way. Uh, it's really hard to do. But if he's throwing the ball differently than last year, that could definitely mess up some things with how Mike Evans is able to catch, how Chris Godwin's able to catch the ball, right? So and there, there are all kinds of issues going on with Tom Brady, all three of these guys so far this year. I don't think there's... I don't think it's out of the question that all three of these guys completely turn it around either. Right. They're God, all I hope, three of them are all, I hope all, the all last fam- two already. Don't. So it's
1: you know.
2: I sure hope the last two don't turn it around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, I, I will say this. I think Russell Wilson started this year soft, so he didn't give us that mid season letdown. Now it's gonna be that late season uh giddy up and let's ride. Uh, that might be what he's trying to do. I don't know. It's my best guess.
2: Yeah. Uh before we get into uh overperforming rookies, I just want to say I've been scrambling to try and find one, but I haven't I, I I wanted to go with Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, but let's be real, they were the top two drafted running backs. They were performing exactly how you want yeah. the top two running backs in the draft to perform. Anything past True. that I was having I was having a tough time. So I, I wanted to give them a shout out. I didn't get to shit on Aaron Rodgers too much. I have no clue what's going on. He's gone from blaming his teammates to saying, oh, I'm just holding them accountable to saying, oh, we're trying to do too much on the offense. And, I mean, it's just – there's been some accountability. There's also been a shit ton of excuses coming out of his mouth this year. I don't know what, what the deal is in Green Bay, but I absolutely love seeing the collapse. I just hope it continues the rest of the season. <laughs> That being said, as I already mentioned, I wanted to go with Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. It's tough to do that when you expect them to do pretty good as a running back drafted where they were, top two running backs in the draft. So I'm going to agree with Doug here, and I'll let you take it away. Damian Pierce is my pick.
0: Yeah, so we made it a rule early on that we can pick the same guy for this award uh, because Why not? It's our show. We can do what we want. So we both wanted to talk about Damian Pierce here. Uh, It was really unexpected when he was a third-round pick that he would end up being the number one rusher in Houston. And he's definitely solidified himself as the running back of the future for the Texans, which is crazy that nobody expected that. So I have to give him some props here. Uh, Not necessarily going to be leading yards or rushing touchdowns or anything but also making yourself an impact starter when people thought you might be third on the depth chart. That's very impressive.
1: Agreed all the way around. Ben, I'm going to go to Chicago for my pick here for overachieving rookie, and I'm going to Jaquan Brisker. Um, look, DB, second-round pick, you're expecting kind of big things. I'm not really expecting 55 tackles in the pick through nine weeks for a second-round DB, though, even if he is the number one. Uh, or the number two out there, getting a lot of playing time. Dude has been going off. He's making his presence felt. Uh, Even on plays where, you know, he's not getting the stats, he's there in the play somehow. Uh, I love seeing it. He was all over the field yesterday. Uh, Absolutely fantastic uh, rookie cornerback he got there.
2: Well, I mean, to make
1: it even harder on him, he was having
2: to play without the number one cornerback in Chicago, Jalen Johnson, to start the year. So he had to grow up quick in this league. And I agree with you. I think he's done a fantastic job. Another guy in that secondary I think has done exceeded expectations, just maybe not deserving this is Kyler Gordon. So, Yep. I, uh, I'll, I'm i going to stick with the Bears here, and I, you're going to have to let me explain this, but it's Bayless Jones Jr. All right. He's a wide receiver, drafted out of Tennessee. I didn't like him to start. But the problem yeah, is – he's drafted out of Tennessee. He was drafted to be yeah, well, a kick returner. Also- 25 years old he is drafted to be a kick returner he muffs punts regularly so he can't even do the one job he was drafted to do well and then he's a healthy scratch this past week so not only did you waste a third round pick on a kick returner when there were other wide receivers that could do that and play the position better in my opinion
1: but now you're healthy
2: scratching him this uh, and let's not forget too—he started the season injured, right? So his availability has been horrible. He hasn't done well on the field. It's—it's it's just a tough look. It's a tough
0: pick to have to swallow. Yeah. Yeah, pretty rough. But we also kind of called that on draft night. So, oof. oof. <laughs> My underperforming rookie of the year so far is gonna be Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, when you're the number three overall pick, there's a lot of expectations. Uh same with Jeff Okuda man. Corner is a really hard position to come in with a top five pick expectation and perform to that level. Derek Stingley Jr has not looked like a good corner at any point this season uh, his actually his best snaps have been in blitz packages where he's trying to rush the quarterback. Uh, that's not good. You need to be able to keep up with some receivers and maybe get some fast breakups in there. Uh, maybe stop the other team from gaining yards. That would be ideal if you could do yep. that. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe like Sauce Gardner's doing Uh, at your position, <laughs> who was the next corner taken. That's rough. <laughs> so, Derek Stingley Jr. looks like a boss of a pick. And Of course, he's a rookie, he can definitely turn that around. As soon as next game. I mean, anything's possible. But so far this year, Derek Stingley Jr. looks like a bad pick.
2: Yeah, Doug, I want to get to what you're saying here. But this is beautiful. Cry Havoc again. You want to talk about how Andy Reid passed on A.J. Brown and traded up for Mikael Hardman instead. And then did it again when they passed
0: on Pickens to draft Sky Moore. You know, all about that speed, not about that size. Oh, Who needs small guys yeah. when you have Travis Kelsey? <laughs> oh my
2: god, we completely lost Doug.
0: Well that <laughs> means that we get to talk about his underperforming rookie of the year so far, which is Kyle Hamilton. Uh first round safety out of Notre Dame went to the Baltimore Ravens hey. and the Tug's back, so let
1: him talk about it from here. Bro, I don't know what happened. I just got the all snap robot from uh from Chrome. I don't know nice. what happened. Um nice. no, so I'm You're sticking back the, right <laughs> stick the D B vein here. I'm going Kyle Hamilton, the safety for the Ravens. Look, safety is I'm not really expecting a ton of tackles out of the out of that position. So nineteen tackles, that's fine. Uh but he was drafted to be that deep free safety. Um make these picks. Hey, what's up, Mike? Uh, make, make picks, but he doesn't have any picks. He doesn't have any passes defended. Uh, he's got one forced fumble on the year. Um, this is not looking good for him. I'm not ready to call him a bust, but he's just not living up to the expectations that I had for him. It's crazy
0: how productive he was at Notre Dame, considering how slow he actually runs. And there were a lot of NFL executives really concerned about that. I didn't think it would matter. So far, it definitely has. It's really impacted his playmaking ability. It's impacted how he's able to get to the ball, where the ball is on the field. I didn't think it was going to affect him that much because he had taken such great angles at Notre Dame. He was always showing that he could do it regardless of his 40 time, at least in college. But man, it doesn't look the same right now. So, good pick. Unfortunately, for, for the topic.
1: <laughs> all right, overachieving there... coaches. I think we all agree on this one. Yeah, I don't.
2: <laughs> it's Brian Dable. We yeah. all we yeah. all went with Brian Dable. I don't know if there's there could be arguments made for other coaches, but just the turnaround that this team has had from last year to this year. I mean, it's there's it, it's what really sets them
0: apart. Like, I can't even argue for anybody else, frankly.
1: No, 100, I mean,
0: 100%. You could kind of make an argument for Pete Carroll because the Seahawks are doing so well when everybody thought they were going to be awful. At the same time, yeah. the Giants are six and two, and people thought they might contend for a top five pick again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a very different looking team. This is a very different culture already. Uh, that's kind of incredible, that fast of a turnaround. Yeah, we all went with Brian Dable,
1: is what it is. <laughs> <of this. laughs> and who do we go with for underachieving coaches?
2: Uh, well, Todd, you and I both went with Todd Bowles. Yep. I, I think this is valid. I think a little bit of this we can't entirely put on Bowles, though. There's massive issues with this offensive line, and I think that really – is where a lot of the issues for the buccaneers come down to but at the same time you have the best quarterback to ever put on pads you still have a great receiving core the only thing you're missing from that is Gronk but i mean you've still got you know guys that are going to be in consideration for the hall of fame in my opinion i just i i don't know and the defense i don't know what happened to the defense that's probably more confusing than the issues on the offense, at least there we can point to the offensive line. Right.
1: So for me, I'm looking at this. Um, and these were a lot of my concerns with the Todd Bowles higher. Um, he has not had a good head coaching record across anywhere. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely out there. Cry havoc. There's definitely a, an argument for, for Nathaniel Hackett too. I just think none of us had actual expectations for him. Um, but, no, my, my issue with Todd Bowles is he, he's not a good head coach. Um, he, he did it in, in New York with the Jets. He was struggling in Miami as, a, as an interim. And, look, Ben, you said the defense is absolutely tanked this year. Todd Bowles is a defensive guy by nature, so that defense should not have dropped off as hard as it has. Um, yeah, no, absolutely underperforming. Uh, you're right, there's issues with the offensive line. I think the problems go deeper than that.
0: So I didn't go Todd Bowles, which means I'm the wild card here. Um, so I definitely see the case for Nathaniel Hackett. Like you said, Tug, I didn't expect much out of him anyway. I thought that was a bad high from the start. I thought it was going to be a shit show. It has been. Uh, <laughs> I could have gone with Matt LaFleur. I already kind of took that. I'm not going to double dip on the same team. Uh for that, I, same I issue, think even though I that's think Mike, definitely possible.
2: I think Mike Arrow brings up a great point though, they don't have the weapons, they
0: just don't, yeah. Yeah. Right. right? That's true. I came down to two different guys in the West, uh, one AFC, one NFC. My first thought was Josh McDaniels with the Raiders, but I have to say, I actually think he's overperforming expectations. Because we had all thought that he was going to leave the Raiders before the first game. So <laughs> in fact, he's still there, that's a good sign. The guy I ended up going with is reigning Super Bowl champion Sean McVeigh. Because while it takes a good head coach to overcome the Super Bowl hangover, and I thought Sean McVeigh was a good head coach. This is kinda rough. Uh The Rams' offense does not look the same. Jalen Ramsey is throwing fits now because the defense is supposedly carrying this whole team. And Jalen Ramsey's pissed. You're wasting the extra year of Aaron Donald that no one thought you were going to have because he said when he was in high school he was going to play eight years and then retire. This is year number nine. He wanted to win another Super Bowl. And you're wasting that opportunity. How How do you do that? What's going on? Was OBJ actually that much of a turnkey to this offense? Is really what made it click. Oh, no. I can't believe that. Well, no,
1: because Matt Stafford's favorite uh, receiver last year was Cooper Cup.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't understand exactly what's happening here. Really, not a lot has changed other than switching out Vaughn Miller for Bobby Wagner. I understand that's a different position, but <clears throat> same kind of defensive leader in the middle. And, uh, yeah, I don't – I don't understand it. I kind of have to put it on Sean McVay.
2: Absolutely. But I think it's time to go on to our overperforming teams. We've talked about them a bit already. I already said I was taking the Eagles. You know, I – we could have taken three of the four NFC East teams, and I think that would have been perfectly valid too. Yep. Because the Eagles, I mean – Jalen Hurts, a lot of people have gone back and forth on is he good? Isn't he good? Is he good? I think it's he's good. Say. This guy's an NFL <laughs> starter, he deserves to be. This defense has been stifling, and
0: Jack's too. Yeah, he was shredded.
2: And <laughs> like I already mentioned, AJ Brown has brought something to this offense
0: that is just
2: otherworldly.
0: So, this is yeah, the Eagles are definitely overperformers this year. I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks as my overperformer because everybody thought they were gonna fall apart and they definitely have not done that. Uh not only is Geno Smith in the MVP conversation, which I already mentioned, but also, 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 nice, uh, <laughs> Kenneth Walker <laughs> is doing fantastic. Uh honestly I didn't think he was gonna play this well because I expected the Seahawks offensive line to still be really bad. But even that stepped up in a big way. They finally invested a high round pick into an offensive lineman. And wow, it already paid dividends. That's so crazy how that works. And uh, Kenneth Walker is, yeah, Kenneth Walker's playing really well. Geno Smith's playing really well. The defense as a unit is playing very well. And just overall, Seahawks might win that division. Yep. Uh, So I had no expectation of that whatsoever at the beginning of the year. I want to I want to say
2: this because I somehow missed it. The Eagles are the only undefeated team left in the league, and right. frankly, they have been
1: since week four.
2: Yeah, frankly, I thought they were going to be a middling team. Like, and yeah. I, I think everybody
0: basically agreed with that.
1: I think they're going to win the
0: NFC East, but like still be as a middling team wins. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean exactly. <laughs> Uh, and
2: as far as the Seahawks go, yeah, I 100% agree, and I do think they are going to win this division if they keep this up. I mean, the Niners... 49ers are,
0: are scary now. We'll see if they can keep that up.
3: And
2: the Rams just want to Super time.
0: They have the talent. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, and the Cardinals are Warf- out now that Modern Warfare 2 is Modern Warfare released. Out. That's yeah, just, so it's, he's, he's, he's done. Now that Modern yeah. Warfare 2 is out, and it's going to continue. So,
2: yeah, and they're they're waiting to re- release Warzone. I mean, this is not oh, a good yeah. year for the
1: Cardinals. That's, it's that is over.
3: <laughs>
2: All right, my
1: overachieving team. I'm also going to the NFC East. I'm going with the New York Giants here. Um, again, we already highlighted a lot of it. I don't need to keep rehashing. But at six and two, after most teams expect them to be fighting for a top five pick, yeah, you got to go with the Giants here.
0: Yeah, I definitely understand it. I tried to avoid double dipping. I know I did with Geno Smith and the Seahawks, but I did pick Brian Dable, so I didn't want to pick the Giants. Uh, we all double we dipped Gino in some stuff. way. It was just a matter I know. of
1: who. I know. Ben double dipped with A.J. Brown and the Eagles. You double dipped with Geno and the Seahawks, and I double dipped with Brian D- Dable and the, uh, and the Giants. The big OG men. The big well, OG we're... men. Where Doug
2: didn't <laughs> double dip with Sean McVay and the Rams, but let me tell you, this whole team looks off. And I I yeah. didn't want to take Matt Stafford as my underperformer just because I know he's dealing with that elbow injury, but at some point, somebody's got to come up to him and be like, look, dude, we got to put somebody else in. Like, You are hurting our
0: team more than you're helping them at this Who point. Who are you going to put in, though? Didn't John Wolford throw for like, oh didn't they God. get like 40-something points in that one game he played last year? Yeah. It's not like he's the worst quarterback in the league. I mean, you got to give this guy some credit. That's yeah. fair. Better so, than a bum Matt Stafford. If he can't go, he, yeah. it's better to throw somebody healthy out there legitimately.
2: Yeah, it's it's not looking good. They're they're not using the run game well at all. And, of course, the drama with Cam Akers. I mean, that's, that's only making their running game situation even worse because it, it seems like they don't want to commit to Daryl Henderson for some reason. But they're also – out on cam Akers. i don't i don't get what they're doing here uh but it is what it is the rams man and we already talked about the defense this is this is not where we expected the see to be at this point in the season
0: i'm gonna go with the raiders as my underperforming team of the year because the kind of the reasons i already mentioned i was going to talk about josh mcdaniels for underperforming head coach but then i was like He's still on the team. That's good enough. Um, So here's a big issue that the Raiders are really going to need to solve. They have been up by 20 plus points in three different games and lost all three of those games. Nice. Uh, It was actually 20-something to nothing in all of those games and they lost all three of those games. (laughs) They just aren't playing well, and they look way worse than they did last year. I don't know what that could be. It really doesn't seem like Derek Carr is just forcing it to Devontae Adams. I know they're the teammates from Fresno State. That was the big storyline of him getting there. But something is not right in Las Vegas, and it's not necessarily the offense. I think the defense needs an entire overhaul. And also, it.
1: what if they just kept Rich Passatio? Yeah. Uh, I'm, sticking, I'm sticking the AFC West for this, uh, for this pick here. I'm going with the Broncos. We all expected big things out of them. I think I still had them near the bottom of the division, but I still expect them to be better than what they were. Um, a lot of it's going to be on Hackett. A lot of it's going to be on Russ. And a lot of it's going to be on the defense. This team just does not look good. And I don't know what they can do at this point to salvage it.
2: Yeah, it's uh man. This I'll I'll talk more about them later. We're gonna move on to the visions here. Uh overperforming a vision. I mean, we've been starting with the overs the whole time. I'm the only one that's different here, but I am staying in the East, so I'm just taking the NFC version. Look, outside of the commanders, which come on the commander's quarterback situation, all the injuries they have on defense, the fact that they've won any games is pretty awesome. But the rest of that right, division they've been is in
0: almost all of them. It's pretty mm-hmm. wild that too.
2: Yeah, the the rest of the division has damn near been the class of the NFL. Like this is it, it it's amazing that it's finally coming around again. But this is why people fall have fallen in love with the NFC East for years. This is why they have some of the most popular teams. In the country, I mean, the Giants being in New York helps. Washington, you know, the Commanders being in D.C. helps. But this division has been exciting football this year.
0: Definitely, yep. But Tuck and I are both taking the AFC East because all of these teams look like playoff contenders. Uh, yeah, I didn't expect that of the Jets. I did expect that of the Bills and. Dolphins to be in the conversation I uh, did not expect all four of them to be in that conversation I took the AFC West as my division this year to potentially make all of their teams make the playoffs uh, looking like that might be the AFC East instead, which would be kind of hilarious. It's possible now that there are three wildcard teams we could get an entire division in the playoffs I want it to happen. Let's go <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, the, the point I have to make with this while I'm picking the AFC East is all four teams are over 500. Uh, that is not something I thought I would say. If the commanders were able to pull it out yesterday, then all four NFC East teams would have been over 500. And look, I wasn't ready to say all teams in both East divisions were over 500. Uh, both of these divisions have been like the laughingstock of the league for a long time. And look at them now. Um, no, absolutely leaves. leaves the AFC
0: East is good yeah. again. The luckiest right? player in the league history. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's you're not fucking true. wrong.
2: You're not wrong. <laughs> he had to play like three years of good Jets teams and three different years of good Dolphins teams, right? And as soon as the Bills got good, he left. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that leaves us with, uh, You know what? Let's let's address this real quick, too. Right. Cry Havoc's here saying, what do we make of the commanders placing Heineke's picture on their 2023 season ticket ads? They're trying to sell tickets. They're trying to sell tickets, and Heineke is popular. He should have been the starter from the get-go, and I don't know what the fuck they were doing there. I think that probably hurt them and why they're the only team that's not up to snuff in the NFC East, and they're still having a, a good season. But we're going to move on with our underperformed divisions. I'm going with the AFC West, and maybe it's not so much that these teams are bad, just that they're not exciting, right? We thought we were going to have four playoff contenders. I think the Raiders have the ability to turn it around. I think the Broncos have the ability to turn it around. I don't see either team doing it. And let's be real, nothing about the Chargers has been as exciting this year as it has been in years past. And the right. same can absolutely be said for the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're not living in the KC area, the Chiefs are not they're not watch they're not must watch football this year. That's just how it is. And it's like you said, I was surprised you didn't take them, honestly, Doug. This was your, you know, your juggernaut division, and here we are where it's just kinda like, eh. Whatever.
0: Yeah, the reason I didn't take the AFC West is because I instead took the NFC West. Because they were supposed to be two of the greatest teams in the entire NFL in that division. And they're both currently under 500. Uh, this division's not good. It's not good. Uh, I thought the Cardinals were going to compete for a playoff spot again. That's looking very not unlikely. Good. Like, Call I of thought, Duty jokes aside,
2: th- like this goes further than
0: Kyler Murray underperforming. Right. What right. in the fuck is going on with this team? Uh, Cliff Kingsbury needs to
1: have never been hired as the head coach. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We're going to hire a coach that can barely win at the college level for the NFL.
0: Yep. Yep. Brilliant. Uh, Yeah. The only good thing about this division right now is the CLC Hawks. And when that's your good thing going, that's actually kind of a problem because they don't have the talent to be competing. In most positions, I would argue,
2: if Trey Lance doesn't get hurt, the Forty ers are completely out of playoff conversations at this point as well, too, because that team looked horrendous with him in. And then it, there was definitely some sabotage going on there, in my opinion, when uh, Jimmy G took back over too. Then they said, "This is this is what we got. We got shot So
1: I'll put the tinfoil hat on. I believe it. Alright, I'm going with the NFC South Reminder achieving division or underperforming a division. Um look, guys, they're all sub five hundred. Somebody in that division is going the to the playoffs.
2: Somebody in going NFC East playoffs. This is NFC East conversations normally.
0: Yeah. Or well recently. <laughs> and now the Falcons might be
1: making the playoffs with Marcus Mariota. <laughs> well, the Bucks now lead the division. The Bucks are technically in first. It's tied, but they're technically in first because
2: yeah. the refs fucked Atlanta. I mean, that's
1: yeah, whatever. It's the, that's only the, the
2: head-to-heads the only difference. Yeah, that's a that's a different discussion for another day. I is it bad that I can't think? Oh, it's the Saints, the team that's losing fourteen goose right now. That's that's the fourth team. Jesus,
0: <laughs> this division is fucking bad. 40, you're pulling a me, man. You know, it's late when we're pulling a tug. So we've uh, <laughs> we've been talking. Please about this don't ever long. say
1: that on stream again.
2: When we're
0: tugging our tug, what? What? Uh, so it's time to get a move on here because we've been talking for an hour. We haven't even gotten to the games yet. So let's start off with where we were with our pick'em records. Uh, you know, I'm not doing too hot down there, but at the same time. I'm within striking distance. It's respectable. Let's go ahead and jump into our primetime picks. Uh, Let's start off with Thursday Night Football. Uh, We don't make picks for that game because the show's already happening when that game starts. So, kind of not fair. And we don't want to make picks on Monday night because that feels weird. Uh, Eagles at Texans was... The game that put the Eagles to eight. No. That's just let's believe it at that. It wasn't yep. that good. Texans are ass. And yep, Eagles are better than the Texans. That's that's a thing that we know for sure. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Very surprising. <laughs> uh Sunday night football though. Fuck you guys.
1: <laughs> Fuck yourselves.
0: Uh, this game should never have gone to overtime in the first place. There was a defensive holding call on the two-point conversion try where Travis Kelsey ripped the defender's helmet off. That was defensive holding. Are you fucking kidding me? Go fuck. And
2: it. just like we saw on live TV in the end zone, Memphis Barbecue, 100% better. But I will take so,
1: this. It, I will I, ask, did the did the
0: trainers let Patrick Mahomes throw for 60 is 68 attempts. The Chiefs are going to win. Just unfucking real
1: Yeah, do the trainers ice his shoulder down after the game like they do with pitchers?
0: I don't give a shit. Fuck Patrick Mahomes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will take the win happily.
2: We got this, the Monday uh, looks night like... game going on right now. It's currently 14-0 uh, Baltimore, as we already talked about. The Saints... I forgot that they existed. That's how bad this team is right now. Very, very fucking forgettable. I am, I am surprised that Alba Camara didn't get moved. That's really all there really is to say about this game right now. Uh, Deshaun Jackson's back too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, hey. activated for this game. I saw. So that's
0: Deshaun Jackson is still a player in the league. Feels like he's been playing in the league for twenty-seven years, but he's still doing it. So good for him. Let's move right along
2: to the games that we picked this week. Uh, I took Rams Buccaneers, the 425 slot on CBS this past Sunday. And uh, I'm the only one that got it wrong. I took the Rams. This game was gross. It was awful. This is, you know, the how bad this game was is why the NFC West and the NFC South both got taken as underperforming divisions. Because these were not only playoff favorites, but possible Super Bowl favorites from each division. And uh, yeah, Tom Brady leads a game winning drive. That's what Tom Brady does.
0: Yeah, basically. Yep. Um, nothing else to say about that one, honestly. That's just kind of what happens when Tom Brady is in a close game. Uh, I picked Dolphins Bears because they're both of your favorite teams, and fuck you both. I wanted to steal it from both of you. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to take it, so thanks. It also actually was a great game because Justin Fields was allowed to run. So that's cool. (laughs) You know, when you let the guy do what he's good at doing,
1: he's pretty good. That's that's a really strange concept. Did you guys see the uh, clip from the sideline where he was on the Dolphins sideline and Mike McDaniel went up to him and was like, stop it. (laughs) Literally tried to tell him to stop scrambling. (laughs) Yeah, and then the press
0: conference, somebody asked him about it. He was like, yeah, I tried to get him to stop. It was really annoying. He kept getting (laughs) first downs on us. (laughs) I love this coach. He's so fun. He is the first player in NFL history to throw three touchdowns and run for over 140 yards. That's a really specific stat. It's a thing that Justin Fields owns now.
2: Yeah, the, it's because all these stats get really specific. They might as well say 175 yards, like it's just right. I don't I don't understand why we're doing this.
0: Even still, with all that, as much as we're talking about Justin Fields, the Dolphins won.
2: Yeah, because that's nobody can catch the fucking ball. Eleven. 11- 11 incompletions, and the ones that I saw, I had to go into work in the middle of this one, looked like drop passes that hit the receivers in the worst spot, the hands. Um, Yeah, I mean, I didn't – so I was listening to another podcast earlier. I didn't hear all of it, uh, but it, the question was posed to Justin Fields, and the answer kind of broke up. Uh, but essentially, he's making different reads based on man coverage versus zone coverage of should I run or should I not and that's really adding a dimension to his game. We've had conversations about how you don't like the Bears' play calling. That's fine, but I think Justin Fields' passing ability isn't something anybody needs to be worried about right now either because he had three passing touchdowns, albeit for 123 yards. So that tells me a lot of those passing touchdowns were in the red zone, which is not something I would trust a shaky quarterback to do, is sling the ball around in the red zone. So take it for what you will. I like where this is going for the bears. I'm, I can't help, but wonder what would have happened if the trade deadline was later. Yeah. Cry Havoc mentioned earlier that, uh, Chase Claypool definitely helps the receiving core and he does, but man, Robert Quinn was underperforming.
1: Good. What they got for him Roquan Smith though. That one's going to stink for a little bit. So I will say this, um, I don't like the Bears' play calling because of what you just said. You don't trust a guy who's passing you shaky to toss it around the red zone. So why is that realistically the only place he's really throwing the ball? And I get it. Your receivers are inconsistent. He's not the world's best quarterback right now. Um, and he, he's also running a lot, which is good. The Dolphins definitely did not have a scheme for containing him, which was a large part of the issue. Uh, especially when you're you're running a lot of man like the Dolphins love to do, you need to contain that quarterback because otherwise your entire linebackers back are gone. Um, and that's that's exactly what happened. Is he was able to tear us for chunk gains. Um I would like to see them throwing more. He's still in the bottom of the league with pass attempts, and I think they're not they're not utilizing him correctly. Um if he's the one making the the adjustment like he did this sunday on running fantastic like give that's... him the opportunity give him the opportunity to throw and let him run uh if that's what he decides also he really probably shouldn't be i i need to check how many rush attempts he had but there's issues there where you start getting your quarterbacks running as much as it seems Justin Fields is that screams read issues to me as well um I don't know, it's it's development. He is a second-year quarterback. I have high expectations for him moving forward. I just, I'd like to see, see some development in that area moving forward, and I don't know if the Bears are giving him that right now.
2: Oh, well, I mean, he would have been
1: at least at
2: 30 pass attempts, except for the 61-yard touchdown run he had was a drop back that he scrambled out of, and I yep. can guarantee there's at least one more play where he scrambled out of it. I don't want to have a second quarterback throwing than 30 times a game, so I don't have as much of a problem with it as you do, but I, I get where you're coming from at the same time. We'll move on to your game, though, because we spent a lot of time talking about the Bears
1: and the Dolphins already on this show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Man, the Bills have dropped two AFC East games this year already. The Jets have won two. They're two in the division. Um, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, The Bills, again, kind of came out strong. I thought they had it on lock, and then the Jets powered back, and the Bills could do absolutely nothing. Doug, I sat Garrett Wilson this week because I was like, look, Zach Wilson hasn't been playing well. Uh, So what what happens? Uh, You say, hey, sit Zach Wilson, start Joe Flacco. Well, Zach Wilson got hurt in the first quarter. Joe Flacco came out, and all of a sudden, Garrett Wilson was unstoppable again. Uh, That bodes an issue for me with Zach Wilson. Yeah, they're saying Josh Allen has a possible UCL injury. That's the tendon up in your elbow. I have seen those reports. I'm not so concerned with it when you consider the throw he had at the end of the game was still a dot deep to Gabe Davis. Looks like he's going to play through it. Maybe some performance impacts, but I think he's going to be okay. I'm still shocked at the outcome of this game. Oh, was it Mike White? I assumed it was Flacco.
0: Yeah, we all made that assumption. Uh, Flacco didn't record any stats, but no. you know, it. either way, Zach Wilson went out for a play and then Garrett Wilson turned it on. So it's just, it's funny. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, uh, it looks like we're all going to win with Ravens because they're up 14-3 right now at the half. I don't want to make too many assumptions. There's a lot of football left, but also the Saints suck. So uh, <laughs> certainly open. I uh, get at least a 500 this week. That would be very nice. Looking forward to that. Please. <laughs> Please.
1: <laughs> Please, sir.
0: Uh, but let's talk about those sit starts we were just talking about. Uh,
1: yeah. Bad call Garrett Wilson. Yeah, it definitely should have started Garrett Wilson. That's okay, though. Uh, I did save it with Alan Lazard. I had said he needed to make a statement. He had an okay game up until that touchdown that makes this pick. Uh, That's a win here for the start.
2: Uh, Unfortunately, I can't say the same thing about my set start. I would sat Tyler Algier and played Naheem Hines for the same uh, kind of frame of mind, same mindset here. Naheem Hines on the trade going out to Buffalo, I thought, hey, he's going to make a big impact right off the bat. Uh, I did not know how serious or not serious Cordero Patterson's injury was, but I expected him to be able to come back and have an impact in this one as well, giving Algier a reverse role, reduced role. If I had flipped my thinking, I'd have fucking nailed this because these were the two guys I highlighted immediately when I was looking through uh, running backs this week. Um, But in, you know, hand up in all honesty as well, I never thought of, you know, flipping them before the games happened. So this was just a complete miss by me.
0: Yeah, kind of sucks.
3: Uh, <laughs> it does.
0: Seen <laughs> and it starts, so maybe maybe don't listen to for that. Maybe, that, we,
3: maybe that's
0: what's on. We're, we're still bad
2: everything I say. Just fade what I say.
0: <laughs> that's probably more accurate. We can generally rely on Tug's start at least and then just do the opposite of what Bug says.
1: There's also the off chance, highly suspect off chance, that I get somebody who's not going to get start, get any points in that week. I hit it two or three weeks in a row.
0: So let's go ahead and move on to college football. I'll try to keep this news segment relatively short because we have been going for a long time already. Uh, I do want to say the Kansas Jayhawks are bowl eligible for the first time since 2008? Very exciting.
2: And they didn't need a GoFundMe to
0: replace their goalposts.
1: What
2: an
0: epic tweet.
1: What an epic tweet.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Very fun to see the Kansas turnaround. Uh, Huge shout-out to head coach Lance Leopold and all the work he's done in a very short amount of time to be able to make this possible. Uh, We have a new NCAA record for the most combined points scored in regulation as Houston at SMU uh, sets a... Just It was wild.
1: It really, it Houston was wild. setting up itself for that Big 12 defense real early. They're putting in their audition now. They've already gotten selected. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I don't even know if the defenses were on the field in this game. I'll be honest. I'm surprised SMU isn't going to the Big 12 at this yeah, point. Yeah, at this too. point, this you're been, right. This has
2: been an issue with SMU for a few years. Uh, and we've seen them come out of these uh, these shootouts winning like they did this week. And we've also seen them lose these shootouts. Because they get
0: to say the score yet. By the way, if anybody didn't know, this game finished seventy-seven to sixty-three.
2: Anybody want to do some quick math on how many
0: points that is? That is one hundred and forty combined points. The record for including overtime games is one hundred and forty-eight. So they were very close to breaking that in regulation. Regulation, and that was with
2: the old OT rules. The Texas A&M LSU game that I went
0: fucking nuts watching.
2: By the way, uh, so like. This is, for all intents and purposes, this is the fucking record. The rules fucking changed after that Texas A&M LSU game. This is the
0: record. Right, right. Uh There were plenty of tweets saying that SMU is going to use this as their audition tape for Pac-12 after dark. And just... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Houston to the Big 12 and SMU to the Pac-12 would be hilarious. Yeah, um, be some sad news... If you are Jeff Scott or his family, uh, USF has fired Jeff Scott because he's really bad at coaching football. Uh, One and eight start to this season, four and 26 overall. Special teams coordinator Daniel DePretto will serve as interim head coach for the USF Bulls for the remainder of the season. No, John Gruden is not interested. That's a bullshit claim. Do not get started. Did you get fucking buried? I have seen numerous reports on that. I know you have. I have seen, I have seen New- a couple of them as well, and they are not true. I can tell you they are not true.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. I have seen so many
0: reports.
1: Touch <laughs> kind of like a boomer. Not going to be the head coach of the USF Bulls. No. That's- oh, I'm not saying he will. I'm saying he was supposedly interested. If I didn't say were, USF they, was interested. The USF
0: will legitimately hand him a blank fucking check if he's willing to go to US. I hand him a blank check. There's still a zero percent chance of that happening. It would give this man fifty million a year, and he will start he will turn that shit down. No way. <laughs> John Gruden is not at the point of his career. He's going to get into a college rebuild with a shitty organization <laughs> like USF. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. Uh yeah, USF's really bad. They've only won four games the last couple of years, only one of those being against FBS competition. That was against Temple. So yeah, not not a good F- look yeah. for
1: Jeff Scott. FCS plus competition.
0: They're sure. in the same conference. <laughs> you can't.
1: <laughs> I love how I made you think about it
0: though. Um In fuck the SEC news, LSU has to pay another fine for storming the field. Another $250,000. I can't stand this rule. I think it's awful. And it's just one of the traditions in college football. That's something that happens. So why you're discouraging fans from having a good
1: time makes no sense to me personally. Uh... Dude, it's going to suck to be Alabama because every time you lose on the road, your field gets stormed. Like... That's got to be brutal, I
2: mean, stop making yourselves the top team in the nation they They are stop trying real hard not
1: to
0: We are getting close to a role reversal where eventually it will be it won't matter if you beat Alabama and you will have to start storming the field when you beat Kansas. We're heading towards that future let's Let's materialize it in our minds let's make it a reality.
2: That's a we want the it. Jayhawks. <laughs> Please
1: stop. Alright, hold on. I did, Now that you brought up that sign, I have to bring it up. A cadet at the uh, Air Force Army game this weekend had a sign that said, we want Alabama, and then parentheses under it said, to send us players. And I died laughing <laughs> seeing that. I saw that
0: too.
2: That was pretty good. <laughs> I appreciate
0: it. So that. there is a report out there. Uh, we already kind of talked about The joke that SMU might be going to the Pac-12. Well, we have a team very potentially going to the Pac-12 in San Diego State. Dan Patrick reported this on his radio show. I will caveat that by saying Dan Patrick is known for being wrong sometimes. Um, And The Athletic has come out and said that's definitely not happening until after a media deal is signed. Which kind of makes no sense to me. Why wouldn't you want to include your new program in your new media deal? At the same time, it isn't exactly like a big boost to the financials to get San Diego State into the Pac-12. And if they were to do this, it would put them at 11 programs once USC and UCLA leaves. Um, If if, UCLA is
1: allowed to leave.
0: The Big Ten was at 11 schools for a long time after adding Penn State.
1: You You can stay at
0: 11 if you want to. The obvious assumption from everybody is that they will try like hell to get Boise State to join. If it's not Boise State, is there another option that even makes sense? I know I'm springing this on you guys last second. You have time to think about it.
1: No, you're not going to like my answer. Therefore, Therefore, you're the Academy is not
0: and going
2: into a power conference. Army won't, Navy won't. I don't see that being a good decision, not only for the conferences, but for the academies themselves.
1: Right. So There's, what I'm zero. thinking here, right? He, but listen, it is out there, but you're asking who else makes sense. So, so work with me here, right? This is a hypothetical. It's not going to happen. Pac-12 is looking at a meteorites deal, and they need to bring in markets. The yeah. Air Force actually brings in not as big of a national market, but there is a a nationwide market for them. There's guys all over the country who watch these games. Um, yeah, it's not a blue blood brand, but there's something to be said for what they can bring. Um, it's a reach. I don't expect it, but if Boise State says no and they're scrambling, why not go get another Colorado team that honestly has a lot more interest than CU Boulder? we have
0: already discussed off air, all of the issues with air force ever joining a power conference that will literally never happen for so many reasons. So many reasons. Um, yeah. I'm not even really going to go there. Let's let's be real. I was thinking more along the lines of like Fresno state or maybe trying nope. to get an SMU. Uh, reach all the way to texas i
2: was gonna say smu would be the one that would make sense if because if the pac-12 is going to be stripped of their two biggest schools in california then they're not going to just sit there idly by unless they want to die as a conference they're going to try and reach into one of these other big markets one of these other big recruiting grounds and Look, SMU would be perfect and primed for it. They've got to be pissed that they've been passed over by the SEC, or not the SEC, the Big 12 right. this many times. That one would make the most sense to me, honestly. And that's this last game, notwithstanding, right? You could throw it out completely and I'd still be there. I I don't even know if there's any FCS teams that could make the jump. I Making the jump from FCS not to Power not 5 all the way to a Power 5. And that's that's what that's where I'm kind of at. I don't. I couldn't even see somebody moving up into the Mountain West or even you know a, an expanded American and pushing one of those teams to the Pac-12. Yeah, I obviously said the uh, uh, SMU could potentially be one of those teams, right? But I don't know. I just I don't see it. I don't. SMU maybe
0: uh, if I have to throw one out. So. State's going to join. It's just a hypothetical, but it's fun to think about. Uh, last thing before we get into the games this weekend, let's go ahead and look at the AP poll and compare it to the PDT trench ratings, as we do, because we have some updates for y'all. There were four Ooh. top ten teams in our rankings that lost this weekend. Uh, definitely shaking some things up. The AP poll definitely changed as well, though they only had three top-ten teams lose. Because um, we had Illinois number nine. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thing that happened. Um, anyway, yeah. yeah, Georgia's number one now. Um, for the AP poll, it's almost unanimous. For us, it is very close. Hold Ohio on, one state second. and the team up north are basically tied. In both, I would say. Um, and then number four, TCU. We have all four of the undefeated teams up top. And Tennessee at five. That's that's pretty pretty good, honestly. I'm surprised the AP poll is doing this well. Uh, LSU yeah. all the way up in the top ten is annoying. I don't like that it's an artificial SEC inflation. But Alabama is still pretty good, apparently, according what to of- our statistical analysis. So... You know,
2: one of LSU's
0: losses is the FSU. Yes. yes.
2: What happened to that team?
0: They are not the greatest.
2: If you. But they're if bowl you, eligible. They're bowl <laughs> eligible. <laughs> so but is if Kansas. You can, if you can look at these rankings from the AC poll now. and honestly tell me that LSU deserves to be in the top 10, you better have a damn good reason as to why. Now, I know it was a one-point loss, but
0: come the fuck on. Yeah? So, they beat Alabama by one point in overtime. They also lost in Death Valley to Tennessee by 27. So, I don't think LSU or Alabama are top ten worthy this year. At the same time, our statistical analysis puts Alabama at number eight. So, I guess usually they're playing pretty well. It's, it's also
2: amazing to me that, you know... The AP poll normally sucks off Notre Dame so fucking hard they could get a golf ball through a garden hose. And this year, losing to them, knocks Clemson completely out of the top ten.
0: Right. Right. It's just fucking annoying. They did lose to Marshall and to Stanford. So. <laughs> I
2: Look, I get it. My, my, my frustration is not that Clemson fell out of the top ten. Right. It's that if this was any other fucking year, they would justify everything to keep Clemson near, like at five, near the top four for losing to Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm honestly I'm just impressed the AP polls doing as well as they are. Usually we have a lot more issues with them at this point in the season. So just to be LSU is our and Clemson just kind of flip those two and we're almost dead on i'm i'm okay with that honestly at this point uh the cfp committee will meet again tomorrow night as we we're recording this last night if you're listening to the audio version of this and we will compare those two on our thursday night show if you're watching us on twitch that'll be saturday if you're listening to audio you gotta check us out on twitch man it's so much more fun
1: spoil alert George's number
0: one yeah definitely <laughs> Crazy how that's definitely going to happen. <laughs> Hopefully it's in either one of those orders. Ohio State and the team up north should be two and three in some order. That's it feels definitive at this point in the season. Uh though we will certainly have more games between all these top teams. So let's go ahead and dive into the games in college that we do pick. Uh, we always pick all of the ranked matchups, and we pick, they're going to be pretty good as well. So, this is our records so far this season, before this week started. And Let's not show the next
1: slide. It looks brutal for me. I oh, know, it's fantastic. It's
0: pretty brutal for all of us, honestly. Um, this is our worst week picking college games, period.
1: Ever. We, yeah, we memed ourselves twice. I. Yeah. That's just on this slide. We did it twice later in another slide. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I will say though, Tug, I'm curious why you went with Tennessee. Did
2: you just not? Did you want to anti meme ourselves on a one versus three matchup? <laughs> that
1: was that was definitely part of it. Um, I I did want to be different. My analysis actually did have Georgia. Uh, I was looking at it. I wanted to be kind of the naysayer, give some good analysis on it, and I did see a way for Tennessee to win. Um, so I needed there, to be the uh, the uh, the contrarian there. There was a way for them to win, but it was the do the
0: exact opposite of what they ended what up they doing. did. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Georgia and, and, definitely controlled this the entire way.
2: Yeah, and the the score doesn't really indicate that, but I would say Georgia let off the gas significantly
0: at the end of the game. So,
2: right. It okay. uh it was not. This was not earned points from Tennessee. The next game, though, Alabama-LSU, I even put it in the notes. I wasn't able to be on either show last week. Uh, I said, look, guys, I don't want everybody taking Alabama because I think this one is probably the most difficult to call. Obviously, I was wrong because we fucked a lot of other games up. <laughs> right. uh, but I don't – LSU is an inflated number 10 and now number – Seven, seven, seven yeah, number seven in the AP. Uh, I, notwithstanding, Death Valley is a hard fucking place to play at, and oh, yeah. they have they have improved. Alabama has not looked good, not just in the talent area. There have been issues there, the discipline area too. This team is making so many mistakes that you don't see from a Nick Saban coach team. Alabama doesn't view this as a rivalry game. LSU absolutely does. And those intangibles are really why I was having such a hard time with this. I was I didn't want to take LSU. I don't like LSU for different personal reasons anyway. But I also didn't want to go three for three on Alabama either. So I kind of got put in a corner here, but I'm glad that I was willing to be the guy in that corner, I guess.
1: Yeah, you and I took the same gamble. It paid off for you and bit me from – bit me behind. like oof. Yeah, I, I
0: watched this whole game. It really felt like Alabama was just one play away. Basically the entire way. Quite LSU, literally they were. LSU got two scores ahead and it still felt like Alabama could just turn it on at any time. And they just kind of didn't. Didn't. I, I'm shocked. The LSU won. At the same time, I thought it was going to be way closer than the spread. The spread being double digits was stupid. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next matchup, Kansas State tried to come back yet again. Adrian Martinez fumbles it in the last possession. Kansas State loses by a touchdown, 34-27 to Texas. Uh, uh, Yeah, it was playing with fire all season, trying to come back every week. Tulane already proved that if you can just stop them for the third quarter, they're going to lose. So... Oh, that's all Texas had to do, too. Stop them one of the two quarters in the second half, and they will lose the game. And that's kind of what happened here. Uh, B. Sean Robinson ran for over 200 yards, though. Yeah, best running back in the draft class. Tell you that much. (laughs) If you didn't know, now you know. (laughs)
2: I'll I'll say this. Texas has one less loss. I probably would have gone with Texas. I just – and it's – I mean, they had the same – they now have the same record as Kansas State, so it's not like this was a huge mm-hmm. disparity between the two teams. It's something about Texas, they they've felt more up and down all season than Kansas
1: State has. I just it, Texas been so hit and miss this year. I couldn't go with them. Um, yeah, I just picked them, picked against them on a on a hot week. It happens.
0: I couldn't. I refused. Uh, Wake Forest at NC State. I did not expect this at all. Uh, Devin Leary is still out. MJ Morris had a great game. I had never heard of this guy before last week, and yet he played amazingly. Sam Hartman threw another three interceptions, and MJ Morris didn't throw any. That's kind of not a good recipe for Wake Forest winning the game, like we all thought was going to happen. Yeah, He won for NC State. I am all the way out on Sam Hartman now as like a draft prospect. Oof. As like a, college,
1: a very... and, and you've been you've been loving on him since last year, man. No, that's been me.
2: It's been loving on him. I've been trying to talk Doug over to my side, but I I agree, man. This yeah. is tough because NC State always has a physical team. Uh my love for Sam Hartman is why I went with Wake Forest over NC State because the physicality is always in the back of my mind in a close game when NC State's involved, and I don't know if that's what got to him. I didn't get a chance to to see this game myself, but man, you can't throw three picks to NC State. Nope. This right, this is nope. a and, ugh, NC State's an extremely underrated team too. Like that's oh,
0: man. well, I don't know. If they've had some weird losses already. It's yeah, not like they've bad. had some fact,
2: weirdly close
0: games too. But so I mean, this is just another example of a. It's a conference that's they're all kind of mid. That's, kind of, that's where the ACC is at. Um, so, going on to the FCS ranked matchups, there are only two this week in all of the FCS. Uh, number three, Sacramento State, at number six, Weber State. I kind of just went with the home team because both these teams have been playing incredibly the last couple of weeks, notwithstanding the
1: one long snapper for Weber State. Uh, and <laughs> I thought you hated the Wildcats. Why do you keep picking them? What? Not the Wildcats as in Weber State Wildcats, just any team with Wildcats as a as a nickname. Weber State, think- not
2: the oh no, they are the Wildcats. I mean, yeah. here's the thing though I've seen I've seen Weber State play enough that I was I was in on them. I, it was' in the back That's of up. my mind how hot Sacramento State has been. But I thought this this had rebound games spelled all over it for me because you know that was a heartbreaking loss that the team
0: for the most
2: of the team the vast majority of the team played their asses off and deserved to win that one. So I thought no better time to turn it around than against one of the hottest teams in the FCS in
0: Sacramento State. Unfortunately, I should have rode with a hot hand instead. Yeah, yeah thirty three to thirty in this one. Sacramento State advances to nine and zero. And I would have them as the number one team in the FCS even over South I Dakota would agree. State right now. Who South,
2: has South Dakota State played since playing North, North Dakota State. State? That's it. <laughs> that's it. They, yep. uh, and granted, yep. SIU's not good, but they haven't played SIU. Have they played Missouri State? I don't think Missouri State was on their schedule either. They've avoided most they of avoided
0: the straight. They've avoided Youngstown State too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. But one game that's really going to be fascinating for playoff seeding Both teams will have played UC Davis. UC Davis is a big sky team. It was on South Dakota State's non-conference schedule. So, South Dakota State won that game by two. They also beat North Dakota State by two. Those are the two best running teams that South Dakota State has played. Sacramento State is another running team. That head-to-head would be fascinating. Also going to be interesting to see. We'll get get a little bit of a preview of kind of, Transitive property if uh, Sacramento State can beat UC Davis. That's fair. Absolutely. And our last ranked matchup of the entire weekend, number 21, New Hampshire at number 14, Richmond. Again, I kind of went with the home team on this one because both teams seem to be playing much hotter as of late and also very different styles of football. I honestly, I didn't know what to make of New Hampshire and I kind of got lucky with this one. I'll be honest with you. I I did not know which team to go with here. They they look, were very close to me.
1: Look, not only was I surprised that New Hampshire was ranked, I was also slightly surprised that I had a football team. Um, <laughs> that's kind of why I picked him. I had another New England team ranked. I got to pick him.
0: So this one ended up 40-34. to 34. New Hampshire made a hell of a push late, but Richmond's first half... Helped them hang on. Uh, they came out to a pretty big lead in this one. And the New Hampshire just kept clawing back. If this would have gone another quarter, New Hampshire would have won this game. But there's only four quarters. That's how quarters work. That's mathematical properties for you. So Richmond wins.
1: So that's all these teams that played five quarters with overtime this last weekend.
0: So our three games to watch this weekend... Um, we did meme ourselves three times this weekend. Yep. Starting with Bugs game, Michigan State at Illinois. What do you got for us?
2: I have no clue what the fuck happened. This is the same thing that happened with Illinois when they played Indiana. They played down to their competition, let them hang around because Michigan State is not a good team. I know that all the distractions played into why everybody went with Illinois. And it was why I went with them, too. I mean, they were going into this game at number 17 in the AP poll, and you're expecting a breakout performance against a very down, beaten down team. And you end up with a loss at home. And, I mean, they very well could still win the West. Mm -hmm. But how good this team is is under serious question right now. They cannot keep playing up and down to their competition.
0: Well, it's crazy to me, Illinois outperformed Michigan State in almost every category. They outgained them in total offense and possession on their side. They had more first downs than Michigan State did. They, it was the same for turnovers, basically, other than Illinois ended up turning over on downs instead of going for field goals. They were trying to get the, into the end zone, and Michigan State's red zone defense somehow was able to come out and that's the only time Michigan State's defense played all game. So just kind of the way it fell, uh, it's it's rough. 23-15 to 15, Michigan State. My game of the week was UTSA at UAB. I expected this one to be a very awesome game. Uh, so did Las Vegas. This was an even spread. At UAB, I, UTSA is uh, – not as good on the road as they are at home. <laughs>
3: and they're
2: not as good this year as they were last
0: year either. Very true. Uh, so this one, UTSA got out to a 13-point lead. And then UAB came back. It was 31-31 at the end of regulation. Went a double overtime. UTSA gets the touchdown and holds UAB scoreless in that second overtime. Uh, wow. What... What a game! Honestly, uh, so UTSA is seven and two now, and five and zero oh in Conference USA. They are definitely on their way to a Conference USA title appearance. UAB was quite the matchup, though. That is, that's a better game than I even imagined.
1: I'm very excited
0: it went this way, <laughs> especially because
1: I was the only one picked the Roadrunners. <laughs> what a game, man! Um, On the opposite side of the good game spectrum, I'm going to apologize to everybody. I did feel like I had to pick this game. Uh, Air Force is playing Army. It was for the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy. uh, Commander's Classic. No, I did. I I am compelled. I am contractually obligated. Um, The game was not good. It was an ugly game, even by triple option standards. You didn't even have a lot of the big runs that these guys usually break off. It came down to, honestly, Zeke Daniels willing Air Force to victory uh, with some big plays, some big throws, uh, and scoring uh, their lone touchdown. Um, But look, here's the issue I have with this. Um, When the announcers are saying, like, hey, the first half of this game is always slow, and then they open up the playbook in the second half, why don't the coaches just open up the playbook in the first half, knowing that's how all of these games go? I don't know. Because it's just a complaint you, on my part. Uh, but Air Force won. Air Force takes on the commander in Chief trophy for the first time since 2016. I'm good with it. I'm happy. You know, it is what it is. I'm not happy that we had to suffer
0: through another miserable fucking game. I'm Air glad Force I only watched the last two minutes of this game, frankly. Cheer. Those were if the you... most exciting two minutes, honestly. Yeah, exactly. If you pick another Air Force game this season, I'm going to veto the shit out of you.
1: I have no reason to. <laughs> it'll
2: be some of it'll be the first vetoes
0: we ever have on the show. <laughs> uh so that's it for the games that we picked this week. Historically bad for me. I've never been four and five. I've never been under five hundred in college. Historically picks. bad
1: for Welcome. me.
2: Welcome. Welcome to the club. I'm catching up on both of you because of this. More No, no you're than only
1: catching
0: up record. on me. We we had the same record this week, bug. I mean
2: but you, you didn't gain any ground on me. That's the important thing.
0: Sure. Sure, we'll go with it. Uh, So I did have two prospects to preview before we wrap things up here with college. Uh, First up on the offensive side of the ball, I went with Rasheed Rice, wide receiver for SMU. Now, we already talked about this was a historically high-scoring game. So you might think that 86 yards and two touchdowns might be a bit of an underperformance uh, for one of these top receivers. I don't believe that it is underperformance, and here's why. He still led the team in catches. He was the only guy that Houston seemed to care to cover on the field. And when he puts up 86 yards and two touchdowns as the only guy that gets covered on the field, that's still pretty dang good. Because everybody else was open, and Rasheed Rice was still the guy that Tanner Moore guy wanted to throw the ball to. He also had 9.6 yards per catch. That's like a realistic average for a good game. Whereas, you know, he had teammates go for, I don't know, 43 yards per catch. There's Uh, no way this is
1: this dude's real name.
0: Yeah, Moochie Dixon had 43 yards per catch. Uh, Dylan McCoffney had 33.3 yards per catch. That's going in their lives. Uh, Rasheed Rice can outdo 9.6 yards per game anytime he's not triple covered like Houston tried to do. So, (laughs) it's perfectly fine with me. Rasheed Rice looks like one of the best receivers in all the group of five. Right up there with uh, Old Dominion's Allie Jennings, and it's going to be a competition for those to see who's the first group of five receiver off the board.
1: It's going to be nuts, man. What round projection DJ do you have, Matt, off of gosh, this? Gosh. I That's so
0: difficult. There's so many factors going into that, and we are so far away. Let, out. Me, let,
2: me, I let me ask you this. Do you He's think, think he'll have more guy. Do you think he'll have more or less of an impact than Jane Prochet, who was the last wide receiver to come out of SMU that had any type of type around him? Is that true? Pro- yeah. Prochet. Currently on the Ravens, ironically enough, who are leading 17 to 3 in the third quarter right now. End of the third quarter, near the end of the third quarter. Uh, I can't think of any other receiver since Prochet that's had any high of SMU.
0: I mean, I feel like I feel like there have been a couple in recent years, just because that offense has been so high powered and so focused on receivers. Um Danny Gray is a name I would think of comes to mind pretty immediately, actually. Uh third round pick last year. I mean maybe maybe he doesn't get the kind of respect you're thinking of. But even James Brochet was a sixth round pick. Yeah. So I actually really like Danny Gray. Very different style of receiver. Uh I mean it's it's hard to say. I mean, Cortland Sutton, SMU receiver. Uh so that Beach, was... I mean, there, there's there's a little history of good receivers coming out of SMU. I don't I don't think it's fair to compare him to James Brochet, a very different style of receiver. Um, That's fair. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see what team he gets directed to. Scheme makes a lot of these guys' career. Very true. Anyway, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, I had my first FCS prospect preview of the entire season. Which, I know, shame on me. I should have done this before. At the same time, I picked a really good one. uh, Because this gets into some deep film conversation. Uh, Malik Ham, defensive end for Lafayette, had two tackles in this game against Colgate. Uh, One one of those was an assisted tackle. Now, you might be saying, of a player to watch. That is 100% not the case. Um... Colgate literally game-planned their entire offense to avoid Malik Ham. (laughs) I'm not kidding. And Every time they ran the ball, they ran the opposite direction of where he was lined up. I even saw him get double-teamed on plays where they pitched it to the opposite side of the field. I am not kidding. They focused their entire effort on stopping this man. Therefore, they lost.
2: (laughs) And... You got to hear the
0: announcers crack
2: a beer on live television. Was... It was recorded for you by that
0: point, but that was hilarious. ESPN uh, Plus is a gold mine—just <laughs> uh, <laughs> <mean> potential. <laughs> just,
1: just like, this, all right, boys,
0: here we go again. <laughs> they literally—they would either get the ball out inside of one and a half seconds, or they would roll the quarterback out to the side Malikam was not lined up on. They did everything in their power to avoid this man at the same time. That opened up so many more opportunities for everyone else to do literally something, and uh, they couldn't handle it because they had two, three guys blocking the league camp. That's the kind of guy you want on your team if you're watching the film because this guy is such a disruptor. He changed the entire course of the game by simply being on the field, not even having to having to put up any stats. Uh, I also saw a play, he got double teamed with the tight end even coming in to chip him on the side as well. And this let the linebacker lined up behind him just come in completely untouched, get a sack, because there, it was a TFL, it was a handoff. It was a three-yard TFL on a handoff because they just they didn't even block the guy. They were all focused on this defensive end. Uh so he he didn't improve his standing. He's still the number 4 in FCS history and career sacks. He's still number 1 in Lafayette school history and uh, number and 1 in he our hearts.
2: 99 on the field though. Here's my question. <laughs>
0: okay. Right.
2: How does this translate and compare against a top end defensive end at the FBS level? Cuz obviously Colgate does not have the talent on their offensive line to even Think sure. about matching up with him one on one, right? And this, sure. you know, that's that's what the whole conversation this week, at least, has been about. I, I feel like defensive end might be a tough one to make that comparison to, but you're telling me he's fourth all time in
0: FCS sacks.
3: Yeah.
0: So I, here's here's my realistic comparison for you. We have a good example of this right now. Uh, Jared Verse transferred from Albany to Florida State and be really disruptive this year for Florida State because the offensive line is not able to double or triple team him anymore. If they have other guys to worry about. So if you get the kind of player that gets double, triple teamed in the FCS level, if they're up against a single block, that creates so many opportunities. And they're going to have to be because – There are other good players on that defensive line at some point. Lafayette's defensive line right now is not good enough that you have to worry about the other side. But if he gets to the NFL level, you'll have to worry about the other side. And uh, I don't know. He's not going to come in and start immediately, I would say. But there are definite parallels. It can work. It has worked in the past. And if he starts to figure out how to starts to refigure out how to get on the get past the one on ones. Uh, <laughs> we could see him be very productive at the next level.
2: Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I think that is absolutely fair. That's it for college, though, right? Yes, sir. Man, we've been going for quite a long time, and I'm I I'm gonna try and go faster. But I'm very passionate about non NFL pro news. I love everything about it. I love all these spring leagues. Some more than others. But We're going to try and bust through this stuff real quick here. We do have a couple of stories in the USFL and XFL. Push this off a little bit just because I've been gone and have the most essay of this. And uh, we'll start with the USFL. I don't know if it's been covered already. uh, But two to four cities. Will be hosting the league this season, as opposed to everything taking place in Birmingham. Uh, the news of this story is from the end of June, which is why I'm saying talking about this now, because we're still waiting to see what those cities are, and that's concerning because this was June. We're five, almost six months later, and still don't have an answer to where those, what those cities will be. Obviously, Birmingham's still going to be one of them. Where are the other? Where's the other one or three going to be, right? Another thing that I did not see before I brought this up was that Tampa Bay is potentially going to be rebranded as the Memphis Showboats. Now, take this a bit with a grain of salt. It's mostly USFL News Hub. No big names are really kind of reporting this right now. Nothing official from Fox either. However, uh, trademarks for the Memphis Showboats have been. Filed along with a new logo filing.
3: This is
2: extremely interesting because there's literally no other details right now about a potential move to the Memphis Showboats other than these trademark filings. And the biggest thing I'm looking at here, again, we don't know. Brady White was a quarterback on the Tampa Bay Bandits. Memphis has had a hard time supporting pro teams, whether it was the Maniacs or uh, the Express and the AAF. When they saw an uptick, now the Maniacs was so long ago I couldn't tell you. But when they saw an uptick for the AAF for the Express was when Johnny Manziel came to town. If a pro team goes to Memphis and has the best University of Memphis quarterback at the helm, they're going to get butts and seats. Combine this with the proposed upgrades to Simmons Bank Liberty Memorial Stadium, also known as and forever known as Liberty Bowl. This could be huge for the city of Memphis and for that facility as far as getting the funding to upgrade that stadium to a much more modern stadium for what it, what it was when it was built in the 60s, 70s. There's a lot to break into this. I don't want to get my hopes up and get too excited about this yet because I love the Showboats logo. I love their old logo. The new one that's posted, uh, it's a... It's literally about the size. It's smaller than a quarter, about the size of a dime. Uh, anybody that's played uh, Madden recently in the past couple of years, when you move a team to Memphis and showboats or you know, steamboats, steamers is one of the options, that's kind of what this logo looks like. So, again, take this whole report with a grain of salt. I'm not getting too excited, but I'm also saying – this has a lot of plausibility to it. Alright. Next up, we're gonna move straight on to the XFL, and you want to talk about alternate logos. Well, there's been a lot of alternate logos popping up on trademark sites. Now, this could be that these were logos that had nothing to do with uh have nothing to do with what going to happen going forward obviously pretty much every team got a at least a little bit of a facelift going into this season even even the uh uh battle hawks got a little bit of a facelift going into this season i'm gonna go ahead and just share my screen uh share this tab directly here so that everybody can see us we didn't i didn't have time to to throw these things into a uh do the slideshow. Unfortunately, I apologize for that in advance. But as you, can see, maybe, maybe. Oh God! Streamyard's freaking out. Streamyard's absolutely freaking out. There we go. As you can see, these are vastly different. I have no idea who this fleur-de-lis looking thing was even going to ever be for. Looks like this center logo looks like it would probably be an, a a uh, Battle Hawks logo, and then obviously DC there. Uh oh, go down a little bit further, man. It's been too long since so I've seen it. Oh no, that did label it wrong. unknown. Maybe Vegas Vipers. I don't see how this first this Florida Lee looking one would be a Vegas logo. I personally like Sea Dragons logo better than the one they went with. This Brahmas one. Very reminiscent of the, uh, what was it? Commanders
1: uh, in the AF, the Stoney Commanders. I can't remember. Do you guys remember? R. I R. mean, P. the fact that you're already saying it reminds you of another one. Right. Throws red red flags for me. Look, all right. I'm going to make a quick comment here. Uh, I'm not going to put a lot of stock into this because when you file trademarks, you don't just file for the logo itself. You get a file with colors. So the fact that these don't have any colors tells me these don't mean anything. Number two, I do see some concerns. Ben, you highlighting one as a fleur-de-lis already throws a red flag for me with the Saints. Uh, I know it's not the exact same, but the fact that it invokes the same thing can be an issue, especially, well, the colors are different. Uh, the Seattle Dragons actually reminds me a lot of the UAB Blazers. Uh, it's a slightly I mean, different style. Every logo they've made
2: reminds everybody
1: of the UAB Blazers. But it's, if you have a dragon I, a green dragon breathing
2: going to remind
1: you be blaze paint of the first dragons as well. This is not I just I, I I get it. I just I don't know how much we can believe in this with all of them being black and white, and then there are a lot of i I could see some trademark concerns in there as well. That's just the point I'm making. and if you're yeah, already saying okay. that one reminds you directly of the San Antonio commanders of the AAF, that's another trademark issue.
0: We already got secondary logos when they released the primary logos. We just didn't show those. So it's not these. It's <laughs> fair.
2: I personally think some of those were better than what we got in the first place anyway. So it is, it is what it is. I don't, I
0: don't agree, but you know, that's <laughs> all right.
2: So that's all I really had for uh, non NFL pro news this week, especially since you guys had nothing really else to add. So I think we're done. Sir, I need on a snap fact.
1: You do, don't you? While you're thinking of one and looking one up, <laughs> uh, our links have been scrolling below. I will read them out for those of you on uh, listening on our podcast, we have patreon.com slash football, twitter.com slash bdtfootball, facebook.com slash bdtfootball, instagram.com slash underscore football, bdtfootball.com, mailbox at football.com. Guys, we did it. We have a handle on YouTube, youtube.com slash at big dudes in the trenches, all one word. Obviously Twitch TV: twitch.tv slash big dudes in the trenches, all one word. And we have our Discord that will be linked in the description below with the rest of these links please like follow subscribe do all of the above uh hit us up in discord hit us up anywhere you want we'll be glad to talk to you okay so before we get uh get too far
2: away here uh just wanted to say that i am doing november if you've noticed that my mustache is gone it's sad it makes me sad uh Yeah, there's nothing. Mustache equals happiness.
1: That makes a lot of sense right
2: now. Yeah. Mustache equals happiness. So I am trying to find this link. I completely forgot to grab it before we uh, there we go. I completely forgot to grab it before we started the show. So I'm kind of scrambling here at the last second. I'm going to throw it here in the chat. Uh, So if you do watch this later on Twitch, you should still be able to click on it. Uh, Tug. Hopefully you will copy it and include it as well. It's already included is, in my
1: copyable links.
2: Yep, this is uh this is the Facebook donation link, although I think it ah. it, it all still goes to the same place. So it doesn't make one difference to me either way. But did you guys know that mangoes have noses?
1: You can't just leave me on that. I need to see this.
2: I mean what what do you want to see? Do you want to see the Snapple fact that I pulled up?
0: I mean that's not true. <laughs> right? They have noses.
1: It's a fruit. The soft nose disorder of mango fruit. As published by JN Burden in nineteen ninety-one. All right, before we debate this for the next five hours, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for watching or for listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches.